From Seoul, Korea, KBS World Radio News Today starts right now. On today's broadcast, North Korea says it test-fired two strategic cruise missiles from a submarine on Sunday. South Korea and the United States kick off their largest joint military exercise in years, involving over 20 outdoor live exercises. And Yang Kumduk, a victim of Japan's wartime forced labor, expresses her opposition to the government's compensation plan in a testimony before the Parliamentary Foreign Affairs Committee. This is KBS World Radio News. I'm Tom McCarthy. North Korea said on Monday that it test-fired two strategic cruise missiles from a submarine on Sunday. The North's official Korean Central News Agency said an underwater launch drill was conducted early Sunday morning, with an 824 Yongung submarine launching the missiles from Kyungpo Bay in the East Sea. The bay is close to Shinpo, where the North bases its submarines. The KCNA claimed that the missile struck a target in the East Sea after flying a 1,500-kilometer distance along a figure-eight flight path. It said the drill confirmed the reliability of the North's armed system and assessed the submarine's unit's underwater-to-surface offensive operation readiness, calling the units another integral part of the regime's nuclear deterrence. It said the drill reasserted the military's unchanged stance on controlling and managing the current situation with overwhelming force. The Joint Chiefs of Staff said it found discrepancies in North Korea's claim about test-firing two strategic cruise missiles from a submarine on Sunday. JCS spokesperson Lee Sung-jun told reporters on Monday that the South's military does not believe the regime's claim is completely true. A military official said South Korean and U.S. military authorities are trying to determine if the North was exaggerating with its claim, adding that Sunday's launch appears to be the early stages of a test launch. South Korea and the United States kicked off their largest joint military exercise in years on Monday. The combined Springtime Freedom Shield exercise will be staged for 11 consecutive days, involving over 20 outdoor live exercises around the Korean Peninsula, aimed at checking up on the Allies' joint defense posture and strengthening their response capability. The exercise will incorporate real-life combat scenarios, reflecting the changing security environment with advancing threats from North Korea's nuclear weapons and missiles. Coming off the joint crisis management exercise last week, a de facto rehearsal of the Freedom Shield exercise, the Allies will skip the first stage of the drill focusing on defense training to practice counterattacking and repelling scenarios, as well as the stabilization of the North afterward. The drill will be larger in size and scope than in previous years, effectively reviving field training exercises for the first time in five years after being suspended under the Moon Jae-in government. Yang Kumduk, a victim of Japan's wartime forced labor who has publicly rejected Seoul's compensation plan involving domestic corporate funds, expressed her opposition during a visit to the National Assembly. Standing as a witness before the Parliamentary Foreign Affairs Committee on Monday, Yang said she would never accept such money, even if she had to die from starvation, and that she wants to ask the president to resign. The ruling People Power Party members sitting on the committee boycotted Monday's session, which they claimed was abruptly convened ahead of President Yoon Suk-yeol's trip to Japan later this week to affect the summit. The main opposition Democratic Party unilaterally opened the session to denounce the government's plan, which it claimed was devised and released without any regard for the victims or public opinion. Meanwhile, 
Yang and the other two surviving victims who won damages suits against Japanese firms sent documents to the Interior Ministry's Foundation for Victims of Forced Mobilization by Imperial Japan, refusing to receive third-party compensation. President Yoon Suk-yeol says that the government's response to the issue of compensating Korean victims of Japan's wartime forced labor was a component of his electoral promise and his decision for the future. Yoon's office on Sunday disclosed the remarks Yoon made at the end of a cabinet meeting on Tuesday. Yoon said at the meeting that from early days after he took office, he ordered the foreign ministry to produce ways to resolve the issue, and the government has finally made a decision on the matter through twists and turns. Yoon said that during his presidential campaign, the key to his foreign policy commitments was strengthening the United States extended deterrence, upholding the spirit of a 1998 joint declaration adopted by then-President Kim Dae-jung and then-Japanese Prime Minister Keizo Ubuchi, and pursuing future-oriented Korea-Japan relations. President Yoon told the ministers that he made it clear from the beginning that it was urgent to resolve the forced labor issue as soon as possible and vitalize economic, security, and cultural exchanges between South Korea and Japan. The National Pension Service says it is mulling ways to handle its shares in the Silicon Valley Bank Financial Group and Signature Bank following the collapse of the two U.S. banks. The pension service said on Monday that it is keeping a close eye on the two banks' collapse and vowed efforts to minimize losses. According to the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, the NPS declared 100,759 shares in the SVB Financial Group, the holding company of SVB, as of the end of last December. The value of the holdings, as disclosed on the website of the National Pension Service Investment Management, stood at some 362 billion won, or nearly 280 million U.S. dollars, as of the end of 2021, to account for 0.77 of the SVB Financial Group's total shares. However, the percentage reportedly decreased since the end of 2021. The NPS was also found to hold shares in Signature Bank, with the value of its investment standing at 6.2 billion won as of the end of 2021, or around 0.03% of the bank's total shares. HYBE, the global K-pop powerhouse and producer of superstar BTS, has announced its decision to halt its bid to take over industry giant SM Entertainment. In a press release on Sunday, HYBE said that it will discontinue the acquisition process of SM in an agreement with social media giant Kakao Corporation. They added that it made the decision after observing signs of overheating in the market due to the competition with Kakao and its entertainment unit, Kakao Entertainment Corporation. HYBE said that Kakao and Kakao Entertainment will have management control over SM Entertainment, while HYBE will cooperate with Kakao in the platform business. Kakao said separately that it will continue to buy the shares of SM through March 26th as planned. The dramatic deal came after a weeks-long battle between HYBE and Kakao. A massive fire broke out at a tire factory in Daejeon on Sunday night that caused the hospitalization of 11 people, including a firefighter and 10 workers. According to fire authorities on Monday, the blaze occurred at Hanguk Tire Factory in Moksangdong, Daeduk District, at around 10.10 p.m. on Sunday. The third stage response system put in place at 2.10 a.m., however, was lowered to the second stage at 11 a.m. as the main blaze was brought under control. Ten factory workers were hospitalized due to smoke inhalation, but are in stable condition, while one firefighter sustained an ankle injury. 
South Korea crashed out of the 2023 World Baseball Classic before a single pitch was thrown in their last game, as Australia beat the Czech Republic 8-3 on Monday afternoon to advance behind Japan. Team Korea's game against China at 7pm at the Tokyo Dome is now little more than an exhibition after Australia coasted to the single elimination stage with three wins, including their shock victory over Korea last Thursday. The chances of progressing to the quarterfinals were further slashed for Korea as they were annihilated 13-4 against Japan the following night. The benchmark Korea Composite Stock Price Index rose 16.01 points, or 0.67% on Monday, to close the day at 2,410.60. The Tekavi Kosdaq also rose, gaining 0.29 points, or 0.04%, to close at 788.89. And that's the news from KBS World Radio's News Center in Seoul. I'm Tom McCarthy.